Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Pastor May J. to give a senior coming to you on this Friday evening at On the Wally Ministries here in Alta Vista, Virginia. We're coming to you on the Friday at our Bible Institute time. We thank God for joining us. We've been studying the crucifixion, salvation, and the glory of God. Uh, we're in part three of our study. Uh, we've studied uh, in the salvation. God reveals our need. We talked about the doctrine of depravity. Uh, God changes our heart, the doctrine of regeneration. And God enables our belief, the doctrine of conversion. And tonight we're going to study God reverses our status, the doctrine of justification. Uh, we're going to study that uh, as we get into our study tonight. But we do thank God for you joining us and uh, we thank God for you supporting us. We came and supported at our um, Christmas parade. We did our uh, float for Alta Vista Church Supply on the wall. He ministries and God's gift ministries, our outreach ministry. We thank God for you supporting us. And uh, we're getting ready to go to uh, Salvation Army on, uh, I think, the 16th or Saturday uh, third Saturday to serve uh, 75 to 100 people. So we ask that you continue to pray for our ministry here, uh, fully supported by our business on uh, Alta Vista Church Supply Major on Ministries. And uh, we thank God for you praying for us and then following us in our study. As we study tonight, uh, again, crucifixion, salvation, and the glory of God. As we get into salvation, uh, we're going to get into our last study, God reverses our status as we get into studying the doctrine of justification. So let us bow. Father God, we do thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to come. And as we come, Lord, we ask that you would just touch your dear servant, touch my lips, that I may boldly teach those things that you have laid upon my heart, Lord. Speak, O Heavenly Father, through us, and your hearers will be able to hear the word. But not only hear the word, but understand the word, but not only understand, but become doers of your word. Lord, we thank you so much for what you have done in us, through us, and, and by this ministry that have impacted others to grow to the fullness of what God has in store for them. So we are thanking you right now. This is our prayer in Christ Jesus' name. We do pray. Let us all say amen. Amen. God reverses our status the doctrine of justification. Uh, as we look at our study tonight, we want to talk about uh, uh, the importance of, of justification. And we're going to talk about that, uh, how everything leads up to the cross, uh, the spirit revealing the need that we have for saving, having our hearts awakened and then being born again by the blood of Jesus and our faith in him, then trusting in Christ, uh, at the point of our salvation. All of this is leading up to this point of salvation, being born again, where we turn from sin from ourselves and then we trust in Jesus as our Savior, also as our Lord. And what we're going to talk about next is the justification, adoption, union with Christ, and what it flows from that. Uh, then we're going to turn from ourselves, we're going to turn to Christ, and then God declares that we are justified. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Talk about justification. Where on justification, even when we're just talking about conversion, there is something that we do in that. Obviously, when you talk about repentance and faith, 
uh, gifts. We said that, and to repent, we believe. And then uh, as we look at justification, not something that we do, justification is something that God does. It's all about him, nothing about us. And we are entirely passive in the process of justification, even though we are just talking about conversion Justification demands a little bit more. Obviously, we are talking about repentance. Again, it's faith, and we believe. But when you talk about justification, uh, again, we said that that is something that God does, and we are passive in the process. We are justified. We do not justify ourselves before God, but we are justified before God, and God justifies us, and that's the key of understanding justification. But justification also can be anticipated. And as we're going through justification, we want to look back. Justification is basically being declared, what? Right with God and to be accepted before God and anticipated, as, as the Old Testament will point us to, uh, and, and in Abraham, as we look at it, uh, you look at Abraham, and then we see in the New Testament explaining justification. It uses the Old Testament uh, prophets of old to be able to justify how justification, even in the Old Testament, uh, was a reality. Uh, so we're going to look at it through the lens of Abraham, Moses, then David, in certain different ways. And then as we look at it in the Abraham, you know, God shows us uh, the necessity of faith by Abraham. God promises and shows us uh, that Abraham, by faith, was justified. And as we look in Romans 4, but you get down to Genesis 12 in the picture where we see where Abraham that found grace alone, God blesses him uh, and his people. And then God calls Abraham to himself, not because of anything that Abraham did, but by sheer unadulterated mercy from God. God was merciful and offered unto Abraham something that he had never offered to anyone else. He calls Abraham to himself by grace alone and through faith alone. God's people received his blessings by faith. And you look at it and you read in Genesis 15 chapter verses 1 through 6. It says, after these, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision. He said, fear not, Abram, for I am your shield. Uh, your reward will be great. But Abram had said, O oh Lord God, what will you give me? For I am a continued childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and the member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him and said, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward the heavens and number the scars. If you are able to number them, look. And he said unto him, shall sell your offspring be. And he said, and this is the key verse, believe the Lord. And he counted unto him as righteousness. So here he's telling Abraham that by faith you are being accounted as righteous. So through faith alone, Abraham believes that the promise of God was true and it was credited unto him or counted to him as righteousness. And this is the picture that we see in Abraham. By grace alone, God's promise 
uh, his people that he would receive a blessing that would outnumber the stars in the sky and the sands of the sea. But by grace alone, God blessed his people, and by faith alone, God's people received the blessing through the prophet or through the Old Testament prophet of Abraham. And now look at Moses. God's uh, law shows us the futility of the flesh. So he made the promise of faith through Abraham. Then through Moses, he showed the futility of the flesh by the law. Paul in the New Testament refers to Moses, and he talks about God's law in a way that salvation relates to God's law. And see a quote here from Galatians in third chapter, verses 10 and 11. And the picture is that God gave his law to his people through Moses on Mount Sinai, and he did, and we see the history of his people of God, and after that. And then we discover in Moses, the life of Moses and the people of God, is that the law exposes our sin. And what God's law does is exposes the wickedness of his people. In Exodus 32nd chapter, uh, we've got it written down here that before Moses even comes to the mountain from receiving the law of God, the people were in the valley, what, worshiping a golden calf, rebelling against God. And I put Romans 7 there, and if you would not have known what coveting, what if the law had not said, do not covet. So I think about a lot of times when we tell our children to do things, and we tell them to do this and do that, and sometimes they say, you know, or don't do what we tell them to do. And what happens is that the law, it exposes our sinful heart that's under the surface, hidden away from us. And that's what the law does. God's word exposes our inability. And that's why Joshua said in Joshua 24, you are not able to serve the Lord. And the law exposes our sin and our inability to be able to operate according to the law. And not just expose it, but the law also intensifies our sin. Romans 5 says that the law come in to increase the trespass. So the law reveals our weakness and our weakness and intensifies uh, what sin does in our life. So the more we see the law of God, the more we see our inability to be able to live it out. And as a result, we all deserve the wrath of God. And we talked about this. We spent uh, 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 some time, we stand cursed, what, beneath the law. The, the law puts all of us cursed before God. The law says cursed is everyone who does not confirm the words of the law by doing them. So all people say amen. So if the law condemns everyone, all we can say is amen, because I am guilty, you are guilty, everyone is guilty of the law. But Deuteronomy 27 and 25, by saying amen, that's declaring that our own condemnation when it comes to the law. We stand cursed beneath the law, and we stand condemned before God. God's law says that every single one of us are guilty because none of us are able to stand to fully obey the law. 
And, and, and it's this picture that's in Abraham and in Moses. Moses uh, says that our inability to be able to walk and, to, and live according to the law is a futile effort to try to live according to the law. Then let's look at David. David's God's grace shows us the beauty of his forgiveness. You read in Psalms 32, a very powerful song there, the chapter where Paul quotes in the New Testament, he talks about where we confess our sin and then God carries our sin. Psalms 32, Leviticus 16, and Isaiah 53. You know what Jesus says? He bears our grief. He carries our sorrows and he covers our sins. He makes them to become like wool. He says, white as snow. He cancels our sin. He just doesn't count it against us. He says that he cancels our sin. Psalms 103 and 12 says that as far as from the east is from the west, he removed our transgressions from us. So uh, these are the pictures that you see in the Old Testament. Abraham believing in God. He credited him as righteousness. Moses showing that we cannot obey the law. And then David showing us that God is gracious and merciful. So that leads us to the New Testament where justification is really defined. You might put a star next to those two paragraphs in Romans 21st chapter through 26 and Galatians 2nd chapter 15 and 22. Two of the greatest paragraphs of the scripture right there talking about justification and this definition of justification uh, that we're about to dive into springs from these two passages that we mentioned here earlier. Justification is the gracious act of God by which he declares a sinner righteous only through faith in Jesus Christ. So let's unpack that. Justification, let me pause, justification is one of the most important doctrines in Christianity. Uh, John Calvin says it's a hinge upon where everything turns. So if we miss justification, we will miss the entire whole gospel. So let's pay us close attention uh, to hear what justification is. It's the gracious act of God. If you look uh, 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 Romans, excuse me, Psalms one thirty and three says, "If you, O Lord, shall mark iniquities, who can stand?" So hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my plea for mercy. Enter not into judgment for your servant, for no one is living righteous before you. Psalm one forty three. See, God justifies us not because of anything in us because of grace that is in him. We talked about this. God gives us faith, and we talked about that. And God gives faith. Now God grants us justification. And we're passive in this thing. We said earlier, we're justified by God. So this is something that he does by grace, a gracious act of God by which he declares Justification is a declaration. He, this is something important because justification is an act, not a process. It's not something that we go through and grow fully until we get justified. The place 
uh, 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 where you are justified, you are justified at that very place. It's once in a justification that you are declared right with God. And if you are being justified, you are not more justified again the next day or more justified again 10 years later. Now, when God justifies you, he makes you right with him right there at that moment. It's just once and for all that you are being justified. It's a declaration, and God declares that you are justified and you are set free from your power and the penalty of sin. And it's also a legal declaration. That's the word picture in scripture of justification. It's a legal what? A declaration. And once you are pronounced that God says not guilty, it's a what? Eternal declaration. And then once and for all, it's a complete decision. You have this picture in Luke 23 as the thief on the cross was being guaranteed that he was going to enter into paradise that very day. Romans 8, awesome picture that says those whom have been predestined has also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he shall also glorify. And those he justified will be glorified, guaranteed to spend eternity with Jesus. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Your justification, once you're justified, your justification is sure. And it's a gracious act of God by which he declares once and for all that a sinner, that is the key, a sinner like you and I are being covered by God by his blood and made important justification by the blood of Jesus Christ. So here's the problem that, uh, that, that which uh, needs God to solve. Sinfulness of man and the righteousness of God, the demands of the law. And you put these three together in a courtroom of the law, someone has broken the law with a just judge, then the things don't look good for us anyway. And the result of this setup is we are condemned by our immorality, our actions have broken God's law, and we are all broken God's law, and we are all condemned by that, by us just being born in the world. He said, David said that we are born in sin, and in iniquity did our mother shape us. So we are born in sin. So however, not just being a problem in our morality, the Bible teaches us that we are condemned by our morality, our attempts to keep God's law. The Bible talks about our efforts to obey God's law is to do good, our righteous deeds. They all what fall short, no matter how hard you try. They are like a polluted garment, Isaiah uh, 64 says, by work, not human being justified by his own sight. Romans 3rd chapter, verses 20. And then one Puritan pastor said, even our tears of repentance need to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. He said, even your tears of repentance need to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. See, we have no cause or no case before a holy God. Guilty can't learn or earn his favor, so God declares a sinner what? Righteous. And that's amazing if you would think about it. The holy judge of the universe upon a guilty sinner like you and I 
But all that we've talked about by the grace of God in salvation says not guilty anymore. Righteous. Now God declares that we are forgiven of our sin and he has forgiven us of all of our trespasses. And, and then uh, we have to understand that God is doing that by what? Counseling the record. Counseling the record of our debt that stood against us with its what? Legal demands. And then he said he is set aside and he's nailed it to the cross. And somebody should be shouting right now that God was merciful enough to justify us, then nailed our sins to the cross, calling us sinless. And then this is the great word here. I, I talked about a young lady who came in the store yesterday and we were talking about Paul's writings. And I said, Paul came up with a word, I don't know where he got it from, this word called propitiation. And then Paul says, propitiation, we are free from all guilt. So propitiation means that Christ has taken our guilt upon himself so that the guilt is turned away from us. And it's what Romans 3 and 1 John and 2 is talking about. Romans 8 says, there is therefore no condemnation for them who is in Christ Jesus. Not guilty. We are not guilty of being justified by God. And that's not all of it. And that's not enough. But it declared righteous, not just to be declared not guilty. See, being not guilty is not, uh, is not that you're right. See, you can be claimed or found not guilty, but you still can be guilty. And if we're declared before the judge that we're not guilty, haven't done anything wrong, then this would make us morally neutral before the judge, ain't it? But it would not make us righteous before that judge. We haven't done anything right. Now, where did that gives us uh, 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 get into a little bit deeper understanding? So righteousness means not just declared forgiven of our sin. Righteous means that God declares us that we are clothed in his holiness. And this is the picture here that you see in 1 Corinthians, 1 chapter, verses 30. You are in Christ who have become to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And this is what this means to be justified. We have propitiation, but also we have imputation. So the word means that we are credited with his righteousness. So God, what? Imputes on us. He credits us with his what? Righteousness. The righteousness of Christ. The uh, says in 2 Corinthians 5th chapter verses 21, he made him who had no sin uh, to be sin for us in order uh, that we might become the righteousness of God. And so that now, catch this, you turn from your sin and yourself, we said that earlier, and then you trust in Christ that uh, for what he has done for you on the cross, and then not only God looks at your life and says, not guilty, he looks at your life and he says, I see the righteousness of Jesus Christ and he clothes you in it. And he sees that you are right before him, not morally neutral, right before him. So how is it possible to be right before God only through faith in Jesus Christ? How can we do that? 
Huh? What can you do? How can you earn uh, the kind of status before God that will make you righteous before him? You can't. You cannot do that. Christ is the basis of our justification. In order for you and I uh, to be righteous before God, we need someone else's righteousness. If we're to ask you the question, how do you know you are right before God? If the first few words out of your mouth is because I, you're putting yourself ahead of God because you can't do anything about your righteousness. You got to say because of what Christ did, because Christ lived a righteous life, he died in my place, and that's the only way that I can be right before God is through his death and his resurrection because Christ, he's the basis of my justification. Then Christ is the basis. Then our faith means that our justification, our faith is the means of our justification. And we have been justified, what? By faith. And we have peace with God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why faith, though? Why is faith God's chosen means for uh, justifying us? Why not love? Why not love? You know, why not humility? Why not joy? Why isn't it wisdom? Here's why. Because faith is an anti-work uh, media. See, faith is a desperate acknowledgement that there's nothing you can do. And you have no trust in what somebody else has done. Faith is coming to the end of yourself and saying, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. See, nothing in my hands I bring, but simply to the cross I cling. It's faith. That means that what? The justification now is my means of faith. That when you come to God in faith, what you're basically saying is, Lord, I give up. I give up. I can't do it. I'm not going to try to do it anymore on my own. I need Christ in my life to get this thing done. And then we've got to avoid this, being aware of a danger of legalism. Sometimes we believe that I said earlier that legalism is working things out in your own power. We don't have the power to work those things out in our lives. God is the only one through Jesus Christ can work those things out. See, legalism is working according to your own law. That you don't have the right law or the right way to do anything to be able to help your salvation. Your salvation is all through Jesus Christ. So there are all kinds of things that we can do in our traditions as uh, to exalt the word of God. Well, don't do this or we don't do that or we should do this. So we need to be careful. That's legalism. Working according to our own law. And that is working to earn God's favor. And we don't have anything to offer God to be able to work to get his favor. Sometimes we think that uh, we need to read the Bible more. We need to pray more. We need to go to church more. And I need to do these things in order for me to be accepted before God. 
And that kind of thinking is wrong. The whole point of salvation in thinking that reading the Bible or praying or you earning credits before God, you already been credited with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. What can you add to that? How much more can you get? What can you add uh, to that tomorrow when you wake up? Nothing. You have the righteousness of God credited it to you, and you don't work to earn his favor. And it ends up working to steal God's glory because you are undercutting the beauty of what he's done for you in your life. So you move from dangerous legalism uh, uh, to divine love. Galatians 2 and 20 said, I have crucified been Christ and it is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. This is what Paul is saying here. Jesus is passionate about that he loves us and he gave himself uh, so that you and I could have salvation. So just let that soak in right as we are thinking about it. He paid the price for you, his life, his death for you. Take to heart, God's pleasure in you is not based on your performance to him. But think about it, your performance, uh, your, your, your salvation is based on what Christ did on the cross. You know, and we struggle with that. In all religions of the world, we struggle with uh, how Christians don't have to do things in order to be saved. So let me give you some scenarios on what do we need to do or not to do. So you wake up in the morning, your alarm clock off, and you get out of bed, and you grab your Bible, and you get on your knees, and you spread an hour of prayer in your word and your wonderful time you had with the Lord. You get up and you tell your family goodbye, and you get off in your day, and then you go out and skip into a step. And then all of a sudden you're smiling and everybody around you, you're speaking blessings on everybody you see in me. You have an opportunity to share the gospel with someone. You come home, you have a good time with your family, you read your Bible some more, and you pray some more, and then you go down and go to sleep. And that's one day, okay? Another scenario is the alarm clock goes off and you hit the clock and you have you no know, quiet time, but not that quiet time that you've probably been planning on having and no, no time uh, uh, you run past your word. You don't even have an intention uh, to have a prayer in the morning and you're short and everybody you see and you start cussing and you're not blessing uh, anybody and you come home and you're short with your family at night and you just fall into bed and you're there. So we got two scenarios over here. And both scenarios lying there at the end of the day in which the situation is more pleased with you. Our inclination will say, well, of course, it's got to be the first one because he did everything that's right. But the thing is, you don't forget it. God's pleasure in you is not based on your performance for him. God's pleasure in you is based on Christ's performance for you that he did on the cross. So you can perform anyway, any scenario, if you don't put Christ first, you're putting the wrong priorities in your life. Why? That's why Luther said in the article of justification, he said that the law is divine and holy. Let the law have its glory, but yet no law be 
that never so divine and holy ought to teach me that I am justified and shall live through it. So he realized you cannot live by the justification by living by the law. So we let that beat you in the head. Then you realize before God in Christ alone, your righteousness is in God, before God in Christ all alone. Now, how does the how does that affect works? You know, how does faith? in Christ affects works. Well, I'll give you a taste here. We're going to talk about it a little bit later, but works are the evidence of our justification. So skip past those quotes there. Justification defined recap, the glorious act of God by which he declares a sinner righteous only through faith in Jesus. So there are some debates about justification. We're not going to discuss a whole lot of that tonight. But there are some debates about justification. There are religions, Catholicism, and, 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 and Greek Orthodox faiths. They have no uh, justification in their doctrinal understanding. But if without justification, uh, the gospel is, is for naught. You've you got to be saved by faith. So uh, the three main areas of disagreement that you have is works and faith, inheritance or credited, possible or guaranteed. And follow with me, works or faith. In Catholicism, faith and works uh, both lead to justification. And, and you've got to understand that. So certain religions say that, uh, even uh, James says, faith without works is dead. But, but we have to understand the justification of our faith is not based on our works. It's based on faith totally. And, and then uh, inherited or credited. He says that Catholicism here, they had a word called infusion. Grace is infused into us supernaturally. It begins in baptism. So they're saying it's a process. But no, uh, salvation through Jesus Christ and justification is an instantaneous thing. Justification is not an inherent process or righteousness, but a legal declaration credited righteous. So is this, uh, is, it, is it fiction? No, it's not fiction. It's truly based on because the penalty of our sin has begun, has been paid, and the righteousness of Christ has been credited to us through Jesus Christ by our Father. So that is what we are living. And that's the illustration that we have. Possibility uh, or being guaranteed. So how can I be justified? If, if I, I have to depend on things in this world. How can I be justified? Huh? Insufficient answer to say uh, we are justified by grace through faith because of Christ. All satisfying answer. We are justified by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone. See, sometimes we say we are justified by faith. We forget all about it. You got to put all of it in there. We are justified by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone. Nothing else is needed in order for us to be saved. And then all of a sudden, uh, there is... Uh, an understanding here that we have to live a life that will be beneficial to us, but only if we are taking Jesus Christ as the one who justifies our faith. We need to have that. So you cling to the faith, cling to the belief that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Not just that, but everyone that is working to try to earn favor uh, in God, rest 
in that blood-bought righteousness of Jesus Christ. Quit trying to work for it. Rest in that. Rest in the fact that Jesus Christ has already paid the price on Calvary. Rest there and live there. And you are right before God, not based on anything that you have done, but everything that he has done. He has forgiven our sin. He's closed us in his righteousness. Is that not good enough? That's the great thing that we have through Jesus Christ. We've been made right by the blood of Jesus. So our justification comes by the righteous act that Jesus Christ did on the cross. Nothing that you and I can do to be able to add to the righteousness that had been declared by God, by the blood of Jesus Christ shed on Calvary's cross, by the great resurrection that he did on that third day morning, getting up from that grave, putting to death the sin uh, and the power of the grave and the power of death. So he gave us eternal life justified by the blood of Jesus. So we thank God for you joining us on this evening. That's the doctrine of justification. We are made right by the blood of Jesus, forgiven by our sin, clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ to made right before of the living God. So we do thank God for you joining us on this evening, the doctrine of justification, not by anything that we've done, but by what everything that Jesus Christ did on Calvary's cross. We don't have to try to work for what God has given unto us. He says that if you confess with your mouth, then believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. He said, thou shall be saved. So we've been made right with God. It's good to live a moral life. It's good to try to make every effort to live according to the precepts and the commandments of God. But our justification of our salvation is based not on our works, but by the work that Jesus Christ did on Calvary. God bless you. May heaven ever smile upon you. We thank God for you joining us on this Friday evening. And we want to give God all praise, glory, and honor for what he is doing in our work here, in our ministry here. And we continue to ask you to pray for us, but not pray for us only, but come in and, uh, and, and visit us in our business here at Alpha Vista Church Supply. I told you earlier, this ministry is sponsored by our business here at Alta Vista Church Supply. Our outreach ministry, our preaching ministry, our teaching ministry, they pay the bills. We are here to just preach the gospel and teach the word so that men, women, boys, and girls can be running saying, what shall I do to be saved? Thank God for you joining us and let us bow. Father God, we do thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to come. And we thank you for the word that you have justified us, made us right before a living God by the blood of Jesus shed on Calvary's cross. Lord, we thank you so much. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this facility. We thank you for our ministry. We thank you for everything that has blessed us to be a blessing to somebody else. Now go with us and stand by us. Help us to know that your word is true. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Go with us and stand by us as we go out into the world. Just let your word uh, be a resting place to someone that is going through. Help them to know that you are there for them. And only thing they need to do is to receive you and you are coming to their heart. You said, knock 
And if you knock in the door, he'll come in and sup with you and he with me. So we thank you again. God bless you. May heaven have a smile upon you. We'll see you on Sunday morning at our Sunday school hour and 9.30 following our Sunday school for our morning worship. God bless you and may heaven have a smile upon you. See you back.